0: Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? I hope that you are looking after yourself, being kind to yourself and each other. Well, spooky season may be officially finished, but it is not finished on the Persistent and Nasty podcast. We still have a few more incredible, spooky, hair-raising, creepy stories coming your way. And today's a really special one for me. Today is a script written by a friend of mine, a friend for over 20 years. I can't believe that. We've been pals for a while. And it's also really lovely for me because I am the one reading it. Um, A little bit different as well in the introduction today, I'm going to let my friend, Fergus John McCann, say a few words before their piece begins. The reason I'm doing that, it is really important to both Louise and I, and it always has been, that all of our work is intersectional. As everybody knows, all of the work that we do is trans and non-binary inclusive, and that included this call-out. And I am really happy and really am proud that I get to read the words of my non-binary friend and um, their talent uh, gets to shine. Um, so I'm gonna let Fergus do the chatting in a little second, but until then, just to uh, get us in the mood, I would suggest something, what would I, I would definitely suggest a red wine for this episode. I would just suggest, maybe if you like a certain spirit like on the rocks so um, maybe a whiskey and you know if you are doing whiskey maybe like one ice cube and uh, just that or really just a little tiny splash of water with certain uh, whiskeys maybe some other kind of liqueur or maybe you want to go for I don't know like a fruity tea uh, like a dark fruits tea or um, an espresso or you can always just have a good old cup of tea. Sit back. Don't get too relaxed. And enjoy.
1: My name is Fergus-John McCann. I'm an actor and writer based primarily in Glasgow. Um, as a writer, I write drama and fiction. So I've got some monologues, short plays, and a couple of plays um, written. Um, and in the, the fiction section, I've got some some short stories and, and one unpublished novel uh, done so far. So as a struggling writer it's always nice to have a, a forum for your work. But more broadly, as a non-binary person it's it's really great to be um, included in, and made welcome in a feminist space um, like Persistent and Nasty. Um, it's both good to have a community but also to be to be made welcome in that community and i certainly have been particularly since i came out as non-binary um yeah persistent to really walk the walk so it's really really gratifying to be um made welcome in that space
0: should sober you up not the cold wind on your bare legs not your cheap shoes cutting into your sore tired feet not the knowledge that your coat is too thin should be something that fastens as your makeup runs stings your eyes as tears fall and you try desperately not to sob out loud you totter and stagger each heel strike as loud as a firework in the damp cold street he's coming you saw him and you know what that means. You're too drunk for this, though. If only you could just think straight, stifle the panic steadily building in your panting ribs, the cold air making your chest sore as you gulp the frigid dampness into your lungs. Why you? Why here? What did you do to deserve this? All you can hear is your own sniffling and the sound of these stupid shoes that looked so pretty when you bought them for a steal thirteen long hours ago. Maybe he's not following. But you know he is. You know what he does. Everyone knows. Why were you foolish enough to come out tonight? What felt like bravery, like rebellion, it now feels like utter stupidity. Like suicide. But you don't want to die. You really, really don't want to die. To be hurt. To be... What he does. The violence of it. The butchery. There's no one around. The only light. The cold fire of the sodium streetlights. The old brick warehouses and offices closed. Locked. No night watchmen. No cameras. No one to witness. And no one to help. Scrabbling in your bag, you find your phone. And as you drunkenly peer at it, squinting until you can decipher what the screen shows, your heart sinks as you finally see what you knew you would. Low battery, yes. But worse. No signal. No internet. No cellular. They say you might carry a portable blocker. A jammer of some sort. If he does, he must be pretty close. Is he toying with you? Does he like the fear? Maybe you should scream. Shout out in case there is, against all evidence, someone nearby. Someone who can help. But you don't scream, do you? Because what if he decides your noise is too much of a risk? Decides to stop playing. Decides to run. Run. And catch you and... But what was that? A cough? Was it? It certainly sounded like one. A man's cough. Behind you. Still some distance, but not much. Not far away. But you don't turn round. You sob and stagger on. Forward further into the barely illuminated dark of this strange part of the city. This place you don't really know, and certainly not at night. Drunk and cold and terrified and hunted. (coughs) There it is again. A definite cough. Maybe louder? Closer. You strain to hear, but you can't detect footsteps other than your own. No other sounds, only your own breathing and cracking thuds of your heels and the ringing in your ears from the club. Your eyes grainy now. You're tired and tiring further, and you know he won't be tired. Probably sleeps through the day to be more awake at night. This is what he does, after all. You imagine he's well-practised by now. Skilled. Efficient. Brutal. Merciless. Thoughts of turning around as if terror would let you, and begging for mercy are out of the question. This man must know no empathy to do what he has done. Inhuman. Inhuman. That's what the detective said on the news last night when asked to describe what the police were dealing with. What was done was inhuman. You push your cry down and try to focus your energy into walking. Maybe, maybe you can get to the main road. Maybe, God almighty please, there will be a taxi or at least another person or even a fucking phone box. You just need to keep walking. Unless of course he's already thought of that, unless it's all just part of his game. They say it's the hope that kills you, but it isn't. It's the knife. Your breathing is becoming frantic, ragged. Pain shoots up your calves and thighs as you punish the pavement with the irregular strikes of your heels on the concrete. Fuck! Right ankle buckles. Or you were unbalanced, but either way, you've gone over it. No matter. Keep going. Despite the pain, even if you're making an injury worse, you must move forward on and away because there are wet footsteps behind you now, measured, steady, trainers slapping on the cold wet ground. The cough again. (coughs) You've been waiting for it. Abdominal muscles clenched in expectation. He must be pretty close. Oh god. But what to do now? Run? Your ankle won't have it. And what if you fall? Stop? Out of the question. Turn around? It seems foolish. Dangerous. It will most certainly slow you down, break your pace. You're weaving progress, and you're terrified to do it. But something draws your head round. Horrid fascination. You grind your teeth as your head slides round, just for a quick look. What have you seen? A big man, dark hair, wet from the light rain. It's raining. How did you miss that? Lumbering, steady, head down, hands in pockets. No sign of the knife, but... You're sure you saw it. Move quicker. Go faster. Get away. You notice you're nearly at the main road. You listen. But he doesn't seem to increase his pace, so you increase yours. Faster. Almost a drunken trot. Still no change behind. Fuck it. Run. Heels wobble and toes slip, but you keep at it. You make it to the main road. You risk a look. Still he comes, steady, relentless. Your head whips back to the road and you see them. Headlights. A taxi? Whatever it is, you wave frantically, flagging it down. It's silver. A saloon. And it slows, it pulls in. A taxi. Well, a minicab. Down comes the window. The driver ducks down to see you across the passenger's chair. All right, love. Did you book a cab? No, you say. But you really need to get home. You really need a lift. Looking behind you, you can see him. He hasn't slowed He's still coming. Please, you add. He looks around at the deserted street. Grimaces. I'm not supposed to. The TOA guys get really shirty about it. But you're alright. There's none about it. Jump in. You don't need to twice. You get in. Door firmly shut behind you. The man on the street still walking. Lumbering along. Does he look up at you finally? But you're away now the silver car powering through the early morning dark. You okay, love? Your breathing is coming back, your heart rate slowing a little, your skin is clammy in the warm of the car, your scalp prickles with the sudden heat. You feel just a twinge of foolishness. You see, you thought that guy was following you, you thought that he was... him. That bloke? I don't think so. Just another drunk. Or a drunk guy, anyway. You say you thought he had a knife. You're sure you saw it? A big knife? You see all sorts of things in the dark. And no disrespect, if you've had a drink... Maybe. Maybe he's right. You tell him as much. He asks you where you're going and you tell him the area, the main road. He takes you there, and you get him to let you out, outside of the co-op. Just round the corner from your flat. As you walk from the car, you look back and see him give a cheery wave and a big smile. The smile could be just him being friendly or a happy demeanour, as he said on the way he's finishing up for the night after this. It could be because you gave him a decent tip. But more likely it's because he knows you heard the bumps and the banging from the boot. And you didn't say a thing about it. Because whatever happens next, you knew. And you let it happen.
1: So this piece was written a few years ago and if memory serves, it was for a call-out for another group but ultimately they wanted something shorter and I just didn't feel I could build tension or, or put in a twist in the, the time that was allotted. Certainly I wasn't able to do that. Um, so I wrote it and then put it to one side so it's nice that it's it's finally getting an earring. Um I wanted to examine what is truly frightening and what is truly horrifying and so... It starts conventionally enough with, you know, the building tension, the, the protagonist's fear of what might happen to her. And a kind of, through the third-person narration, kind of self-recrimination, maybe for being so naive, kind of blaming herself for, for, for being in a, a place of vulnerability. But with the twist, that's kind of amped up, and so the... the unspeakable horror of this stranger, this unnamed killer isn't just horrifying in and of itself and its proximity to her is not just horrifying but it's horrifying because of her own perceived complicity objectively she's not responsible for what happens but she thinks she is or she fears that she is and that word fear is important because it's more frightening I think to think that something horrific can happen to someone because of what you have or have not done, than just the idea that it happens anyway. It's scary enough that there are monsters out there, but what's more scary is that their monstrous acts are in some way our fault. And that weakness in ourselves is the cause of horror. And I think that is ultimately the most frightening thing.
0: If you're enjoying our spooky season series, you can support us by shouting about us on social media, Uh, Liking, downloading, reviewing Subscribing to the podcast So that you don't miss a single episode It really does make a huge difference And as I say If you support the work that we do And you feel that you can financially help us At this time We would be extremely grateful And you can become a persistent pal Or a nasty hero Or just donate the price of a cup of tea or coffee to us Um, And the links for that Are in the show notes of today's episode And as I said um, previously We have had very generous donations from people to sponsor our coffee mornings, which is incredible. And if you would like to do that, you can stay anonymous or we can absolutely shout about you from the rooftops. So please feel free to get in touch. And you can do that by emailing us at persistentandnasty at gmail.com. And to those of you who already do support us financially, a million thank yous, you keep us going, you keep the advocacy work going, you keep the podcast going you keep the coffee mornings going and we are forever grateful to all of you. If you can't financially support us at the moment we completely understand Um, but you can help us in many other ways and one of those ways is by following us on social media sharing about us on social media and just generally being our cheerleaders and you can do that by following us on Twitter at PersistentNash. Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty. You can also follow us on TikTok, which is Persistent and Nasty, and you can check out the website www.persistentandnasty.co.uk, where you can read some of the incredible blogs that have been written for us by amazing artists. And you can also send us a blog to publish on the website. Please do send us some spooky stories, I'd love to read them. And you can follow Louise and I on social media. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and at Elaine.stirrett on Instagram. Today's episode was performed and edited by Elaine Stirrett.